2: Hello, my dark darlings, I'm Arkia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Danger lurks around every corner, so we do whatever we can to avoid it. Most dangers are easy to avoid if you pay attention. But it's the malevolent unknown that you should fear the most, because you never know when you might come across a devil in disguise. First, no memories of a monster, followed by hurricane ghost stories. Then, the statues are watching. Finally, in our featured story, a most deadly game. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those the scariest ones make it into our podcast along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscaryatsnarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Devil in Disguise Cherish your memories, because you would be lost without them. Remember that your mind is filled with not just happy moments, but important details that could cost people their lives if you ever forget. Like in this story, inspired by Giara. She woke up in an unknown place and couldn't remember how she got there. Panic set in as she realized she couldn't remember anything, except that her name was Mita. Mita cautiously explored her new surroundings. She exited what looked like a dorm room and walked down long hallways. She passed other teenagers who strolled by her as if they were in a daze. None of them spoke, or even seemed to notice her. Eventually, her trek through this mysterious place led her to someone who wanted to help. Dr. Methius. He introduced himself with a calm manner, telling her that there was no reason to worry about her loss of memory. He told her she had had an accident, and her memory should return, eventually. He explained, this is a safe place. This is your new home." Even though the doctor was friendly, Mita didn't trust him. As the doctor spoke, Mita noticed something moving out of the corner of her eye. When she tried to look directly at it, however, there was nothing there. When she looked back at the doctor, she could see it once more in her peripheral vision. Whatever it was, It was a tall, thin, hunched creature with veiny, knife-like claws for hands. It had tiny, sharp eyes that shimmered with malice. Its smoky-colored skin disguised it within the shadows. Dr. Methias noticed and asked if she was seeing something. That's when the creature spoke to her.
3: Tell him nothing and don't believe his lies.
2: The creature hissed. Mita told the doctor she wasn't seeing anything, and he frowned and explained the rules. She was not to leave the premises, and she had to stay in this section of the building at all times. He said that he wanted to help her get better, and if she behaved, she would have a wonderful life here. The creature whispered in her ear that she should escape. This doctor was not who he said he was. This was not her home, and she was not safe. Mita agreed with the monster in the corner of her eye and began to plan her quiet escape. That night, she snuck out of bed in the middle of the night. The creature crawled along with her down the vast halls, just out of her sight, whispering directions and suggesting rooms to explore. It led her to a janitor's closet, and instructed her to take some of the cleaning supplies. It told her where the janitor kept his cigarettes and, more importantly, his lighter. The creature instructed her to mix the cleaning supplies together and then led her to the maintenance room. But Dr. Methius was there waiting for her and said, I know you can see the creature and hear it, too. You must not listen to it this time, Mita. The creature screamed in Mita's ear
3: He wants to kill us, Mita. We have to kill him first.
2: Mita threw the bottle of mixed cleaning supplies at the doctor and the wall of electrical breakers behind him. The doctor screamed as the chemicals burned his eyes while the creature told Mita to light the chemical-soaked rag they had prepared. Mita threw it at the doctor and the whole room went ablaze. There was an explosion, and Mita was knocked out of the maintenance room and into the hallway. She watched in terror as the flames surrounded her. She didn't know where to go, and the smoke was too much. She felt herself passing out, but suddenly, something was dragging her. Out of the corner of her eye, she could see the creature pulling her outside to safety. Once they were outside... She was able to breathe again and got back to her feet. When she looked up, she stood face to face with the creature. No longer hiding just out of sight, she could see its evil, malevolent eyes. She realized it was the one lying to her all along, and this wasn't the first time it compelled her to do something terrible. She tried to run but the creature grabbed her and placed a bony claw on her forehead. Her eyes grew heavy, and she passed out asleep. She woke up in an unknown place and couldn't remember how she got there. Panic set in as she realized she couldn't remember anything, except that her name was Mita. Thank you so much, Chiara, for inspiring this Groundhog's Day-esque tale of mayhem, murder, and terror. Listener, have you ever lost your memory? Any guesses as to what happened to you at that time? Would you be brave enough to stand up to such a monster as this?
0: You can live out your MasterChef dreams
1: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's dot I.com.
2: If you don't know what to look for, you'll miss the ghost story that's right in front of you. Like in this story, inspired by Deanna. Winnie nervously rode the bus to her grandma's house. The skies were dark from the hurricane heading straight towards Jamaica and Winnie hoped the bus would make it to the tiny town where her grandmother lived before the storm hit. Luck wasn't on her side, and rain began to pour heavily several minutes before the bus made it to the station. Winnie hopped off and waited for her grandma who was supposed to pick her up. With no sign of her and the storm picking up, Winnie decided to head on foot to her grandma's house she hiked a couple of miles past an old church and a graveyard up a steep hill to reach her grandma who lived in an ancient wooden cottage held together by rusty old nails that protruded everywhere throughout the house her grandma looked confused when winnie appeared at her doorstep but she quickly welcomed the girl inside hunkered down to brave the storm Winnie and her grandma stayed inside for several days. This was difficult, because grandma didn't have Wi-Fi, TV, or even radio, and Winnie had forgotten her phone charger. There wasn't anything to do, but sit and listen to the old lady spin her duppy stories. Duppies were spirits that were anchored to Earth by rusty nails. When Winnie said that dozens of duppies were no doubt tied down by all the nails that spiked the house, her grandma just laughed a wheezy laugh. She told Winnie that an 11-year-old was too young to understand the world, much less the otherworldly. Winnie sat inside and suffered grandma's stories. Most of the time, the duppies were malevolent spirits that usually tricked and haunted the living. But sometimes, they helped if the person was pure of spirit. All of the stories ended with the person learning some kind of lesson, while also paying a terrible price. After days filled with endless duffy tales, Winnie couldn't hide her boredom. None of these stories were scary enough. Plus, she was tired of all the lessons, so she begged her grandma to tell her some other kind of story. One that was filled with excitement and terror. Grandma shook her head and said, Winnie wasn't understanding otherworldly spirits are the afterlife. They aren't meant to scare you like silly ghost stories. Duppy tales are meant to teach you about life and about yourself. After many days, the sun came smiling into the sky. When Winnie looked out the window that morning, she was thrilled to see her parents headed up the hill. Passing through the front door of her grandma's cottage, her t-shirt caught on a nail, and she had to pull the entire metal spike out of the wood to free herself. She ran down the grassy slope into her parents' arms. To her surprise, they seemed more emotional about reuniting than she was. As they all hugged, she felt her mother's chest heave with sobs, and her father's strong arms squeezed both of them tight. Winnie's mother began to sputter out something about the hurricane, knocking out the phones and blocking the roads when Winnie interrupted. We're fine, mom. I was bored, but it's not like grandma didn't feed me. Her parents' faces fell. Grandma feed you? Her mom asked. Of course she did. Winnie ate pretty well. Fried plantains, curry goats, salt fish. Winnie, whispered her mother. Your grandmother died 13 days ago. She was hit by a car when she was waiting for you. The EMT got her to the funeral home just before the storm, then everyone went to seek shelter. Her parents got the news, but were unable to reach Winnie on her phone. they have been trying to get a hold of her for over a week. If Grandma is dead, then who? Winnie trailed off. Winnie sprinted up the hill, her parents behind her. When they reached the house, it was empty. But there was the faint sound of her Grandma's wheezy laugh and the clink of a rusty nail falling from Winnie's pocket. Thank you so much, Deanna, for inspiring this... Hurricane Ghost Story. Listener, do you talk to spirits? Do you talk to your guides? Do they talk back? How would you know if you were talking to a dead person? Would you be afraid? Has that happened to you? Tell us your story at something scary at snarled.com. nothing is worse than waking up with a bad feeling in your gut. Except maybe the horrible thing that is about to happen. Like in this story inspired by Ball. Marcus couldn't sleep. He was still amped up from his day out with his friends. Lately they'd been pulling pranks on the neighborhood and it was so much fun. They'd knock on doors and run away put trash in mailboxes, and smash all the dumb lawn ornaments people kept in front of their homes. He'd been laughing all day and still thinking about all the fun they had. Marcus went downstairs to get water to calm himself. While he filled his cup, he thought he saw something move outside the window. Probably just a stray cat, he convinced himself. But as he walked back to the stairs, he saw something move again out of a different window. There was a thud at the door. He jumped, startled. He wasn't expecting anyone. He peeked out the window into the dark night. He didn't see anyone or anything out there. So, he slowly opened the front door. Nothing. No one. Then he looked down on the doorstep. Standing on the stoop was a garden gnome lawn ornament, the kind that everyone in the neighborhood had somewhere in their yard, the kind he had been smashing all day. This one stood about two feet tall from the top of its long red pointed hat to the bottom of its short stubby legs. A dopey grin adorned its face above its white stone beard. Marcus assumed one of his friends was pranking him, and took a step outside and looked around, but no one was there. However, when he turned back, the gnome was now inside the house instead of on the stoop. He froze and stared at the statue, unsure how it got inside the house. It was late, and Marcus was very tired, so he decided to put the thing outside so he could investigate it in the morning. He reached down to pick up the statue, but it suddenly fell over just before he touched it. Marcus jumped back, startled by the sudden movement. He once more looked around outside. One of his friends had to be out there with a remote control. He turned back to the statue, and it was once more on its feet. Marcus smirked and reached down for the statue to figure out how it worked. And that is when the statue came to life. The dopey face now replaced with one of pure malice. It opened its mouth and chomped down on Marcus's hand with its stone teeth. Pain shot through his hand like he slammed it in a car door. Marcus cried out and tried to shake the heavy statue off, but it was clamped on tight. Finally... He managed to stand on the writhing gnome statue and drag his hand out of its mouth. His hand was bruised and bloodied, but at least he was free for the moment. Marcus held his foot on the gnome as it struggled against his weight, but once it started chomping at his toes, he decided to make a run for it. As soon as he removed his foot, he ran up the stairs into his bedroom. He heard the sound of stone being scraped against the floor and up the stairs, then a loud banging on his door until it flung open wide, revealing a very angry looking garden gnome. Marcus shouted, what do you want from me? It didn't respond, it just stood there. Marcus turned in a desperate attempt to jump out of his second story window, Then he felt his leg twist. The gnome's stubby arms held him tight and clamped down onto his calf until it ripped a piece out of Marcus. He screamed and kicked at the gnome until finally he broke free. Marcus ran at his window and jumped through it, shattering the glass and sending himself flying into his front yard. He hit the ground with a hard thud. He laid there for a moment but other than the pain in his hand and calf, he felt relatively unharmed. He quickly jumped to his feet, but just as he was about to run down the street, he realized he was surrounded. Statues of garden gnomes of all shapes and sizes filled his yard. Every single one from every yard in his neighborhood was there, and they all had the same evil look on their face. Marcus screamed as they ran towards him. Bearing their stone teeth. Thank you so much, Paul, for inspiring this garden gnome tale. In a way, it reminds me of what happens to Sid in Toy Story. Listener, have you ever been creeped out by those statues that happen to be in neighbors' yards? What would you do... If they started to move, do you think you could take them, one of them, all of them? Idle hands are the devil's playthings, so it's important to be mindful when you have nothing to do, otherwise evil will find something to do with you. Like in this story inspired by Colin. Thank you to our Patreon member, Fabian, whose name we used in this story. My grandmother's house was old, massive, and intimidating. There was an old, ornate mirror in my grandmother's basement that had been covered for as long as I could remember. We were told to never touch anything in the house, especially that mirror. She had no TV or internet, so when we stayed, we always just played outside. One gray and rainy afternoon, my grandmother was babysitting my cousin Fabian and me. Stuck inside, we had exhausted every board game and book inside the house, so out of boredom. We found ourselves playing rock-paper-scissors in the dining room, anything to keep us busy till it was time to go home. By the fifth or sixth dull game of rock-paper-scissors, Fabian lit up he remembered the covered mirror in the basement. I followed him down into the dark, damp basement. We navigated around old boxes and dusty furniture, careful to avoid cobwebs that hung in thick curtains everywhere. Deep in the back of the basement was the mirror. It was tall and stood on four clawed feet, a dusty white sheet covered with a thick rope tied around it to keep the sheet in place. Fabian untied the knot on the rope and let it slide to the ground, where it landed with a heavy thud and blew dust everywhere which made everything feel ominous. My heart pounded as Fabian pulled away the sheet to let it join the rope on the floor. As it slid away, tarnished and dusty glass was revealed. The silver backing of the mirror was corroded at the edges, and the whole thing made our reflections look distant, as if trapped in another world. I told Fabian to put the sheet back, but he said he wanted to see if it was really haunted. His grin widened as he tapped on the mirror, and it made an unsettling, tinkling sound. I got up and headed for the basement steps, and Fabian mocked me for being a snitch. That stung. I didn't want to mess with the mirror, but I would never rat him out either. So I stayed down there and rummaged through the old boxes instead. Eventually, he got bored of the mirror and asked me to play rock, paper, scissors again. I ignored him and he scoffed at me, said he'd play the game with himself in the mirror instead. He loudly said, best out of three. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot several times to taunt me and then for a while there was silence. Suddenly he called my name with a distress in his voice I'd never heard before. I ran over and found him sitting by the mirror frightened. He asked me to watch as he played the game in the mirror. He made a fist with his right hand for rock. His reflection did the same. He played rock three times in a row, and his reflection followed suit. I rolled my eyes, but Fabian told me to keep watching. Best out of three. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. On the next round, Fabian formed his hand into a pair of scissors. His reflection's hand formed a fist. Rock. I rubbed my eyes, unbelieving staring at Fabian's reflection's fist, then at Fabian's scissors. Fabian threw again, forming his hand flat like paper. His reflection's hand formed into scissors. I told Fabian to cover the mirror, but before he could do that, his reflection grinned widely and said, Best out of three, I win. It reached out with his hand. The room began to rumble and shake as if a train passed right below us as the reflection's hand pushed through the glass like it was liquid. Fabian's reflection grabbed him by the front of his shirt. I screamed as Fabian was slowly pulled into the mirror. Fabian struggled against his reflection as it used his other hand to grab my cousin by his head. I grabbed his legs and tried to pull him back but the reflection was too strong. Fabian screamed from the other side of the mirror as something began to rip under the reflection's grip. His reflection then elongated its fingers, wrapping them like cables around his head and hooking into his mouth, and then dragged the wailing Fabian into the mirrored distance. I fell to the floor, breathing hard, my heart hammering in my chest as I tried to comprehend what had just happened happened. Then my own reflection blinked and smiled at me as it said, Come here. It's our turn. Best out of three. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markeia McCarty, Sarah Lukasiewicz, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markeia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markeia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Lenderman. Executive producer is Gail Gilman.